As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Another 5-0 win over Burnley at the Etihad for City. You can set your watch by them these days. And a good day for the players who have had question marks over their heads too. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. And this is Why Always Us, a Manchester City podcast brought to you by The Athletic. To celebrate Black Friday, we're giving you the chance to subscribe to The Athletic for our best ever price. It's just £1 a month for a full 12 months, and you can cancel at any time. So you can access all of The Athletic all year long, including all of our podcasts ad-free. We'll bring you unrivaled coverage of Manchester City and the Premier League for an unbeatable price. And we won't be running a better deal anytime soon. Sam, you've got plenty to get your teeth stuck into, haven't you? What, uh, what have you got going on on the horizon? and what uh, what are the things that people must read from you at the moment well everything um yeah i've mentioned recently that um i'm doing a a big article on the cfg not just me thankfully because it's so big (laughs) you know the whole city football group structure everything about it from the business side to the football side to everything else whatever you can think of um we've got loads of people working on that so next few days in particular i'll be getting that done and hopefully that'll be out by the end of the week, um, hoping as well to do a, a big focus on Rodri. I know this is something that people are interested in. In my um, article from the Burnley game at the weekend, which I'm sure we'll reference during this show, um, in the comments, James M said, if I'm taking requests, he'd like to read something in depth on Rodri. And you know, he kind of read my mind there. So I'm, I'm hoping that over the course of the week, once the CFG stuff's out of the way, I can work on that with Tom Warville, our data and analytics guy who's great and he can offer some really interesting stuff and that should be out around this time next week um and yeah there's there's loads of stuff i was i had a week off recently and i I posted links to about 20 different articles that um that i've written since i joined basically that are still relevant now there are more timeless 20 is not bad yeah exactly timeless um I, i i even forgot to to post the big phil foden thing i did in august which i put up on saturday so i suppose if you want my pick of things that you might not have read of from me yet. And if you're thinking of signing up, you can do. Then the Phil Foden article I did in uh, August. Yeah, um, it's pinned to the top of my um, Twitter profile. So um, check it out. It's quite long and it's got a story about him being bitten by a ferret and his brother kicking said ferret down the stairs. So 
What I mean, else do you need? Yeah, well, I was going to say, what else do you need? Uh, the offer runs up until the 4th of December, so don't miss out. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. And it's just £1 a month for 12 months, and the offer is for new subscribers only. Um, Sam, let's, let's talk City Burnley, because uh, it was... I, I, I don't want to dive in straight away and say it was like the old city, but it was most like the old city that we've seen for a long time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, I thought you were going to say you don't want to dive in and get too carried away. And look, for all, for all the nice things, I suppose, the positive attacking, good vibe things that we'll talk about about the game, One on the one hand, it was Burnley, and on the other hand, it was one game. So obviously last season, part of the problem was, you know, City would win 5-0 quite often. But in the other games, that was where they had their problems. And ultimately, in the end, it wasn't enough to to win the Premier League or, or the Champions League. Um, it, so it was nice to no score five, so that's, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get on to that. But I'm just kind of prefacing everything by saying, look, nobody's getting carried away because we don't know what's going to happen in the next games. Although, you know, being Fulham, there's a good chance of it happening again. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that being said, we can now go, yeah, it was it was good for City to score five because at the same time of, of me as me saying that about oh, it was Burnley and you know don't get carried away etc which we're not if City had of I say only won one nil or like if they'd somehow drawn nil nil or won all or something then I'd have been like right this team uh, you know they are really really struggling with the lack of creating chances lack of putting chances away so while it was only Burnley there was definitely an element of there was no certainty going into it that it was going to be 5-0, not from my point of view anyway. So in that sense, it's kind of credit where it's due. And there was a lot of a lot of good stuff. Yeah, first side to win four successive home games against one particular opponent by five-plus goals since Notts County in 1907. So uh, well done, City, on that front. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, though, like again, looking into that, how much can we read into it? Because if City always beat Burnley 5-0, then did we learn anything? Um, well, I'd like I say... City always beat Burnley 5-0, but that's... Well, hmm. I'm going to kind of cut myself off there because one of those 5 nils was back in June, wasn't it, when City was still very much amidst that batter teams and then struggling the rest of the game. So it, it wasn't like it was a proper throwback to the old days because the old days only go back to June and that wasn't, you know, wasn't quite as good as it should be anyway. Um, but no, like I say, there, w- there wasn't actually any guarantee that they were going to score five. You know, if they're way... If we look at the way City have been playing, the only kind of reason for optimism from my point of view was that they've got great players and a great manager, so it would be okay. But it would, like we said before, that basically just comes down to faith. So going into this game, the only thing you could really cling to is, well, you know, they've got great players and a great manager, so they'll come yeah. up with something. And in the event, they did. But, you know, if if we were ignoring that faith and we were going off recent games, again, whether it was against good teams or bad, you know, whether it was against Spurs or Liverpool or against Sheffield United, City just weren't, or West Ham, you know, City just weren't creating that much against whoever they were playing. So, um, it was strange. what it did was we str- learn? We learned a bit. We learned a bit, I think. There was a strange moment kind of midway through the first half where City were two shots on target for two goals. And that's not a City that I understand from the last 18 months. So, I mean, what what's, what's changed to, to, to kind of create that? Guardiola said he would change things. Did he change much? Well, so my article fo- focuses on kind of what happened. There's a bit of why. There's a bit of why. Um, but it basically focuses on what. And like you said there, the the what was, you know, two shots, two goals. Um, another part of the what was of the five goals, there was either a first-time assist or a first-time finish for all of them. So there was no so it's quicker. on it. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's quicker. They 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 move. They were moving the ball quicker. Um, so the, for the first goal, when Rodri won it just inside the Burnley half, you know, he he carried it about ten yards, but he gave it to Torres. Torres took two touches, I think, gave it to De Bruyne. De Bruyne just opened his body and played it first time. Mares controlled it with his right and finished immediately with his left. Like, it was just it was just much slicker. And obviously, so when I was watching the Spurs game, granted it was just before Laporte scored that goal that was ruled out. But I was looking at it like City just takes so many touches in the box; it's ridiculous. Um, I think that's a function of you know they get there and there's already a load of men in the box. There was no reason for Morris to take a load of touches because he was one on one with the goalkeeper. So in that sense, his mind was made up. But the what, like I say, was they were much quicker. They were much more incisive. The third goal was a bit different because City were knocking the ball around. You know they had a lot of possession. Burnley, you know, got a touch on it, went back to Edison, but then. Edison kind of carried the ball out to that kind of, until he was basically in a back three, just played a simple ball to Rodri. But that was after all the Burnley players had kind of got attracted to, to Edison's left and he went to, Edison, to to his right. Found Rodri and Rodri straight away fired into Jesus who had dropped deep. You know, he was on the halfway line and everyone else was ahead of him. Then he carried it, gave it to De Bruyne. To be fair, this is why it was a bit different. Jesus's pass wasn't that slick. It was actually behind De Bruyne, but he just turned around got it back onto his right foot and put it straight to the back post and Mendy volleyed it in. So it, everything was just much quicker. And part of that inevitably is going to be because Burnley weren't that good. They were actually, they weren't deep. They weren't defending really deep. They were leaving spaces. Um, but, you know, Sheffield United left spaces. And we talked on the podcast after that game. And last week, they were, City were missing the chances to create chances. So they would have opportunities on transitions. They would have spaces to break into, but it would just break down like De Bruyne would look knackered or... Sterling would take a bad touch, or who, I mean, whoever was playing would take a bad touch. It would just break down, but that that didn't happen. So the what was they had a lot of spaces, they exploited them. How is a bit tricky to under, to understand. They did get De Bruyne in a lot of space. Yeah. So part of the article focuses on the back line. If you can imagine it in your head, um, it was basically just Stones and and Diaz. And Stones was very good. I'm sure we'll mention that, but Stones was very good. Stones and Diaz. And then Rodri, uh, then Gundogan dropped off a bit to their left. So he was kind of like a left-sided centre-back, but he was ahead of them. And then ahead of him was Rodri. And then De Bruyne was much further up the pitch, kind of trying to find spaces behind the Burnley midfield. And Mendy was up high, quite close to De Bruyne as well. And Torres was there as well. So there was an overload there. And it was like, whenever they... Whenever they Burnley pressed either Rodri or Gundogan, there was a bit of space then to shift the ball and get it to De Bruyne. So they, that's how they were getting De Bruyne in spaces. But like we say, the why, like, so the tactics were there. That setup worked. Um, but like, but why was De Bruyne any better equipped to to make those passes and crosses and and run the show than he has been in recent games? You know, so it just it comes back to those kind of intangibles. Like, did he? You know, was he better for that rest? He obviously yeah. didn't play in midweek. Was he better for that? You know, why did Mares score a hat trick? And you know, his touches for the goal certainly and for the assists and whatever and for the pre assists. They, you know, they were perfect. You know, why were why were they perfect on the day when sometimes he can hold on to the ball for too long? So the, in terms of what happened, they were much more incisive. They used the ball much quicker. It's not something I particularly paid attention to, but in the comments on my article, um, somebody said, you know, the, the passes out from the back were a lot more sharper. And I, I've had a quick look back this morning, and he's right. Um, the passes out from the back, they, they didn't always just go straight to Rodri. 
which, you know, and then Rodri takes a touch and he looks around and he tries to work out where they go and it goes to the fullback and it's quite slow. This kind of setup I was talking about, it was designed to fire those balls up to people like De Bruyne who are in those spaces, to Torres, who had a bit of a quiet game, to Mendy, who, like, Cancelo has actually done much better than I expected at left-back, but I still actually do prefer a left-footer on the left just for that width element and for that natural element. You know, just, in fact, you know, Mendy, it was his first goal, so you can't say he does this all the time. But if that ball had gone to Cancelo, he wouldn't have scored it. You know, yeah. so it's just, just stuff like that. Um, it was just, so it was slicker... The tactical setup worked, whether it was the passes out from the back, whether it was how they kept finding De Bruyne. But then on top of that, it was just people were sharp. I suppose it wasn't one of those games where you could say everyone was brilliant because it's like, obviously Mahrez was great. De Bruyne was great. Uh, Jesus did an important job for the team. But as Guardiola kind of said quite bluntly afterwards, you know, he has to score. He was talking generally. He said Sterling as well, who obviously didn't get on. But he was like, these guys, they have to score. Um, you know, Gundogan and Roger actually did their roles very well. Stones was fantastic. Diaz wasn't great, um, and he got taken off, um, partly maybe for rest and partly because he, he wasn't playing that well, which it might tie into the whole ruthless Guardiola thing. Which, well, I, I was going we to come on to this because, um, I, you know, I've been reading Guardiola's comments, um, and like, like after the game, here's what he said. He said, it's not about rest. I saw Kevin De Bruyne a little exhausted mentally last week. Right now, I use the players who are better in, in better conditions or more focused. If the mm-hmm. players think they've been rested because I'm rotating, they've made a big mistake. I put every game the best, sometimes for the benefit of the team, sometimes injuries, but especially players who play well. It's not about players who believe... I deserve to start because I've been here three or four years. Big mistake. It doesn't matter if you've won a lot of titles in the past or you score a lot of goals. You have to show it on the pitch in the recent past, in the present, and especially the future. Um, that's, I mean, that's they're quite harsh words from somebody who was going easy on the team, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so it's, it's that classic thing, I think, um, of Guardiola leaving just a bit out there when we're thinking... Oh, yeah, okay. Well, it's mad because if we're thinking, okay, it's all about rest and players not fit, that's because ever since the first press conference of the season before the Wolves game, Guardiola's been talking about how, you know, the players are tired, the the schedule's killing the players. You know, they had they had seven days, well, De Bruyne had seven or eight days of preseason. You know, it's it's not fair in all this. And then as soon as we're like, oh, yeah, well, okay, is are you resting players? You know, are you resting Laporte? Are you resting Sterling? You know, did you rest De Bruyne in midweek? He suddenly turns the tables and he's like, well, don't feel too sorry for these guys. Some of them are shit. <laughs> not, <laughs> but obviously not quite. Yeah, I'm sure not, not like that in yeah, that yeah. sense. But you know what I mean? It's like some of them need to pull their weight. That was the vibe I got from it. The vibe I got was, you know, I'm not. You know, if if you think Sterling and Laporte maybe for like just an example of two players who haven't played the last couple of games, or you know two of the last three or whatever, if you think I'm resting them, it's not that they actually need to perform better. And I mean, we might we might now be in a situation where you know Stones is keeping Laporte out of the team, and who would have thought that? Yeah, a couple of a couple of weeks ago when like Garcia was playing instead of Stones for various reasons. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
we're we're going to come on to each of. Uh, well, I, I said in the introduction that that it was a day that the players who had been questioned had, had kind of started to answer the critics. Um, but I think the only place to start really of those players is Riyad Mahrez with the hat trick that he scored. Um, how much of this is answering the critics, or how much of it is he just likes Burnley? Well, yeah, it's a bit like the whole team again, isn't it? Like, and this is obviously how I think about City generally. But it's it's hard to to separate. Um, you know the, the individuals from the collective often at City and I, to be fair I, I remember when we talked about Mares before you asked me does he fit in so sometimes you can kind of separate Mares from the rest in terms of his style of play although I do think you know you need that wild card element but well, I say he, he always offers some he at least offers something different if, like, if, yeah like, he does but like like I say has he and has he answered his critics in the sense that he didn't hold on to the ball for too long. Although, again, in the comments of my article, somebody argued that for a second he should have just passed it to Jesus or Torres. But um, I suppose at the end of the day, not it's not it's not just kind of reactionary. It's just football, isn't it? You know, if you if you do something that's not necessarily the right option, but it goes in, nobody really cares. Yeah, and it, so it's fine. That that is fine. Um, but I mean, overall, did he prove that that was wrong? It's it, it's one game, isn't it? Like the same you would say to anyone. Like so, the fact that. He's got doubters among the fan base. And let's not forget, you know, there were members of the reason we're talking about this is because members of the squad um, said, look, you, you hold on to the ball for too, too long. So he frustrates people despite the fact that, you know, the stats I looked at and wrote about were since the start of last season, he's City's second biggest chance creator behind De Bruyne, you know, from open play. Um, so he does create a lot, but there still is a, this lingering feeling among some of the players and the fans that um, he's either greedy or he holds on to it for too long or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's obviously overlooking some of those good performances he has had. And like I always said through, throughout last season, he was probably in City's top three most consistently good performers last season. Um, but that's kind of stuff that gets overlooked. So in terms of him answering his critics, yes, obviously he, he did play very well and he, did all, he showed all those things that he thinks he can do very well and he focuses on a lot. Um, beyond that, like if he doesn't play well in the next two or three games, then people will be like, "Oh, it was only Burnley," because that's just the kind. That's on the one hand, that's how football works, and on the other hand, there's this thing about Mares where all the good stuff he does do does kind of get forgotten very quickly if he has a few bad games. So yeah. it's like it's the same as the team. Really, he needs to go not score a hat trick again, but he needs to go and do it again against Fulham. He needs to, you know, contribute in a big game against Man United in a couple of weeks. Well, I mean, yeah, this is this is an interesting consistent. point. Because I mean, let's if you pull out of this slightly and don't look at it at the frame of of just Burnley. I mentioned does he like Burnley? I worked out on on Saturday that that you know, nearly a third of his Premier League goals for City are against Burnley. Um, he's got a couple against Leicester, one against Chelsea, one against Spurs. But for the most part, they are going against those teams who you'd expect to be in the lower half of the table, at least fighting relegation or you know hanging around tenth spot or so. So uh, the question becomes: Is does he affect the big games enough? Um, no. But then again, I'm trying to think back. And if we think his first season, it took a while to settle in, didn't it? Um, like like Bernardo, like, like Sane, all that kind of thing. So fine. So, but then his, be- his best season for City so far was his second, which was last season. But City, as a team, didn't get good results against the top teams, did they? No. Um, obviously, they beat Liverpool after lockdown, but lost twice against United in the league lost to Chelsea away what was the home result what can't I remember the home result with Chelsea um, uh, Mara, that's the one Mara scored against Chelsea he, he got the winner 2-1 <laughs> funny. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a good example. So he does, like, there are times, and I remember the Leicester game, it was all set up to get him one-on-one against the left-back. I think it was Chilwell. Um, just just to get him set up against the full-back in one-on-one situations. And he was very... Um, it was influential on that result against Leicester, which isn't, you know, a top, top club, but Leicester were doing very well at the time. And this was a time when City was struggling. So that was a big win for City. Um, I remember the Chelsea game. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great game at all, was it? City weren't very convincing at all, were they? So, so that's a good one, actually, where they're not playing well, but Mario's got them through it. So, but I mean, generally, it's generally, no, he hasn't. But then the title winning season in 2019, you know, he scored the winner at Spurs in a very, very tight game. He, he, he got them over the line against Bournemouth that time. It, it, like, there, are, there are games that he has influenced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course he has. Like, and like, like I say, this isn't, you know, we're, we're not talking. Well, I think we are in a way. You know, some fans would say this is a guy who hasn't worked out. You know, does he fit in a city? Has he, has he been positive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like I say, he's behind De Bruyne since the start of last season for creating chances from open play. And, you know, if you're creating chances from open play, then you're also, then you're also generally going to, you know, create them from from dead balls as well. And he does take free kicks. But from open play, that means you're a creative presence. You know, you're if you're behind De Bruyne, then that's effectively City's best creator because, you know, De Bruyne is just on a kind of, in a league of his own. Everyone's behind De Bruyne and they have been for years. Um, so he's, he does influence games. Of course he does. And like, you know, I remember, I think I did a, I, can't, I think I might have done a whole article last year on chances that no, it was it was an article on chances that City in general had created, brilliant chances, but the forwards had missed. Um, and there was a lot of De Bruyne ones in there. And obviously, De Bruyne was going for the assist record, and he got twenty in the end. But you know, if it wasn't for some like bad finishing, it probably would have got towards thirty. Um, and like Mares will fit into that as well. You know, Mares has created all these chances, but City as a team haven't always been that clinical. So there will be an element of the team kind of letting him down just as much as sometimes he can be guilty of letting the team down by, you know, just running it off the back of the pitch or whatever. <laughs> um, and yeah, everything's as frustrating as, you know, if you miss a one-on-one or if you run the ball off the back of the pitch, it's all very frustrating because it's the final third and, you know, fans are expecting something to happen. They're expecting a goal. Um, so it, it's a strange one. It's a strange one with Mahrez. But yeah, I mean, of course he influences games, but um, if he hasn't influenced the big games, then I think that's in part because the whole team hasn't. And yeah. it's like, as much as he's... So recently, at the start of the season, he'd not been playing well. But you couldn't say, well, that's because of Mahrez any more than you could say it's because of Sterling or it's because of not having a number nine or it's because De Bruyne was looking tired in recent weeks or, you know, because Rodri and Gundogan are too slow or whatever. It's just part of the bigger thing. So that's how I'd put it, really. Does he does he work better because of the width from the fullback there? I mean, even even though it was mainly Mendy on the left-hand side and, he, and Mahrez was on the right, it does stretch the pitch in the, far, in the final third. Yeah, it does. Um I think I think it was more the fact that you know the, the pitch can be stretched. You know, sometimes it's sometimes City are very narrow. We've talked about that a lot. But I mean, sometimes it, the pitch can be stretched, and there's people occupying those positions. But if you're not moving the ball quickly enough, it almost doesn't matter too much because, especially if the opposition are so compact, you know, they can shuffle across. And if City are just moving the ball from side to side, the team can shuffle across enough. But yeah, the pitch was stretched, and that's why it's like I like to focus on that. You know, kind of. Fairly, I think it's fairly subtle. If if I had a bit about picking it out, um, you know, getting De Bruyne in those areas and how they did it, because we can all focus on inverted wingers and you know a left footer playing at left back or the double pivot or whatever. But you know, sometimes there's just certain more subtle things that work or don't work, and it's just because you know people are feeling on it on the day or the opposition made a mistake with their pressing or 
they weren't as compact overall, which is probably the case with Burnley. Um, yeah, it's just a, a combination of things. But that width is is often is often there, but it's just not exploited in the same way. But obviously, when they're narrow, then it it just makes things much harder. But yeah, with Mendy there, it was it was great, and it wasn't just the fact that Mendy was kind of arriving late, but he was just starting up very high as well. So you had Mendy, Torres, and De Bruyne all to look after in those areas, and Jesus dropping deep. You know that that Burnley midfield was it didn't really know whether it was coming or going. Yeah. Well, if you want to read any of Sam's pieces on City's chance creation or on uh, Mares' role in the team, don't forget our Black Friday special offer running until the 4th of December. You can get yourself a subscription to The Athletic for our best price of just £1 a month for 12 months, and you can cancel at any time. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod and pay just £1 a month for 12 months to access our unrivaled coverage of Manchester City and the Premier League. The offer is for new subscribers only. Um, Sam, we touched on Benjamin Mendy there, um, and I mentioned um, uh, Mares' uh, percentage of go- Premier League goals for City against Burnley, uh, but uh, Mendy's is now 100% of his Premier League goals against Burnley. Um, so, uh, you know, he's doing well. <laughs> Very well, yeah. Good luck to him. Yeah. Uh, in all seriousness, though, it's a, it's a glimpse of what he can offer when he's fit. So, like, what does City do? Because he obviously isn't going to be fit to the extent that they need him to be, but he's going to be fit some of the time. Yeah, I guess that's probably a way a way to put it, isn't it? Um, the best way to put it. Um, I think it, it it is what it is with Mendy at the moment. Um, and this is again, this is one of those performances where you know people might be like, "Oh, well, if Mendy can do this, then we don't need a left back, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But um, I'm sure, un- unfortunately, just based on previous evidence, you know, just based on what happens, I'm sure there's a, a poor performance around the corner from. For Mendy, you know, there'd, there'd be one of those performances where people are saying Cancelo should be playing. You know, we need we need a new left back and this kind of stuff. Um, that so that's what I mean by it is what it is with Mendy. Um, so yeah, sometimes he's going to be fit to play and sometimes he isn't. Um, sometimes he's going to have a good game. Sometimes he's going to have a poor game. And again, it's a bit like the what I was saying about Mares, a bit like what I was saying about the whole team. Great, they did a very good job against Burnley, but um, you know, let's consistency now is what's needed because. Yeah. Obviously, City are in a decent position in the table. Liverpool drop points again. Um, obviously, people are talking about Spurs and Chelsea in the title race, and they may well be. Um, but City are not far behind. They've got, uh, I think, six points off top. They've got a game yeah. in hand. So, so they're fine there. But what they need is that consistency. So for all we know, we might be in last season again where they beat a team 5-0 and we think it's fine. And then they go and lose a game stupidly. We don't know. We don't know yet. So that's a challenge for the whole team. And that's the challenge for Mendy as well. But I mean... Yeah, um, who, who knows with Mendy? It's, it's a difficult situation as well. I'm not sure how much longer he'll be around for at City. I'm, I'm not sure how much longer they'll be able to rely on him generally. When's, um, his, when's his contract up, actually? Uh, I think he signed a six-year deal when he signed, and that was 2017. Yeah. So even if... Yeah, so I don't... There's time left, yeah. Yeah, so he's still got three years. I don't think it's... I don't think it's... Too, uh, a five-year deal because that would mean it's up soonish and Stones' is up soonish, isn't it? Isn't that 2022? 20, yeah. It's not next summer. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, just generally with Mendy, it's a, it's a, a tricky one. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously he's playing at the moment and he, he he does bring an element to the team. But for me, that's a reminder of what exactly what you need. Get somebody who can do that and get somebody who can do it every week. Yeah, so, It sounds easier said than done, but it shouldn't be. 
Um, just while I'm on the stats uh, side of things as well, um, I, I also worked out because I because I was bored on Saturday evening. Uh, I also worked out that sixty uh, percent of the goals by left backs in the Premier League for for, for Pep Guardiola's City have been against Burnley. Uh, they <laughs> were men, that Mendy, Danilo, and uh, and Clichy. Um, uh, Danilo scored a couple when he wasn't at left back as well, so I didn't count them. And obviously, Delph has scored against Crystal Palace, but he uh, he wasn't work. he wasn't playing left back that day either. So. Um, it didn't didn't count. A serious um, work, fair play. Yeah, uh, I just I, I Danilo won a Burnley. That was great. It was it was that, and the fact that I, I out the back of my mind, I dug that cliche had scored against Burnley in his first season in Guardiola's first season. So I thought, hey, I wonder, I wonder if the, I wonder if all of the goals against left backs. Uh, I think from left that backs. might have been the one where I was sat next to John Smith, and he kind of did he kind of chest it down, and it bounced a bit, and he went onto his right foot, and it kind of happened in slow motion. I just. I was thinking I was sat next to John. I said, "Don't hit it for God's sake!" <laughs> or like, or I might have even said, "This is going to be shit." And he just he banged it across goal into the bottom corner. I was like, "Okay, fine." I might have even done the same with the Danilo one actually. So maybe sixty percent of all the time left back scores for City. I, I I'm thinking, don't, don't hit, hit it, it. don't hit this. Yeah. Um, final player to to look at for for this week. Uh, you mentioned him earlier on, uh, John Stones. Um, here's a question that I'm I'm particularly interested in your answering. Um, does City play better when he's playing well in the team? Christ. Um, look, I suppose the answer is yes. But I'm going like it's kind of just like a function of it's the same thing with Maris. Like, does he influence big games? Not really. But is that because is that his fault? No. And it's almost like a city playing well because Stones is playing well, not necessarily. But also because I'm going back to 2017 18 for the last time Stones had a good run in the team. I might be forgetting the odd good game here and there. Uh, did he play against Spurs in the league last Easter? You know, a couple of days after the Champions League game? I think he did. But if we're talking about sustained run in the team, it was that October, November in 2017, which is three years ago, which is mad. But obviously that was the kind of the foundation for that 100-point season. And that was when they went, it was 18 Premier League wins in a row. And yeah. God knows how many undefeated it was in all competitions. I'm sure they got up to about 30-odd. It it actually ended with it, didn't it? With him, I think he pulled up at Leicester, and I think that that started his kind of injury problems. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He got injured at Leicester, and Mangala played a bit, um, and that was it. Like we've not seen him consistent, either form wise or fitness wise, since then, and that's been a great source of you know Guardiola's frustrations with him. I think Guardiola said again at the weekend, it's about mistakes and learning to live with mistakes and that kind of stuff, which you know I've. I've been reporting for a while. That's what they, they're worried about with him. And that's why they think or have thought they can't really rely on him. There's been problems off the pitch as well, which I think Michael Richards admitted over the weekend too. So again, I feel like, like I've been writing this before, you know, he's had off the field issues. Obviously, he got, I think he got divorced. Um, he missed the, the Spurs game earlier this year in February away um, with Garcia was on the bench instead. Stones wasn't in the squad because he had like a, some kind of hearing related to the divorce on the Monday and Guardiola was like, he's just not focused enough. Um, so there's been all of that, you know, personal problems, problems with not bouncing back from setbacks particularly well, although Carabao Cup final, he made that awful mistake and had a very good second half. Um, so maybe improvement there. But then just fitness, he's just, he's barely been in the, the team and all of those seasons, the end of 2017-18, the end of the season after, you know, that big run-in when he was chasing down Liverpool last season. He's just not been there, even when City have been playing well and, you know, grinding out titles. He's barely played. He's, and it's just been like, well, where is he? What's going on? Um, 
so overall it's it's been crazy how you know he's been at city for four years but barely had a proper run in the team apart from that one we're talking about so to go back to the question does city play better when he does i mean yeah you'd have to say so because they were great that was when they had their best run of of wins you know when he was in the team in that october november of 2017 and you'd have to say that on saturday that was their best performance in a while and he played but i mean is it because of him i don't know um but when he's in the team and he's playing well he looks very confident so like he played against olympiakos at home and it was a bit of a crap game and it's like i don't like to to pick up players just for doing their job. So I remember like when City played Bournemouth in the Carabao, Zach Steffen was, you know, calling his line quite a bit. And I was like, oh, I don't want to just big him up, but it's something I've noticed. You know, he's he's on top of the players. He, this is his first game for City. He's a new guy coming in, but he's doing his job. And that's it's a good thing to notice. And Stones was very confident against Olympiakos. And, you know, for somebody we talk about who's not necessarily always confident, who doesn't handle mistakes and setbacks very well and has had issues off the pitch and, injuries and stuff it was it was good on a personal level for him to see him come back in and be confident and then you know he he played last midweek and then he played against Burnley and he he does seem to be confident if Guardiola's comments about earning your places are true then he's in above Laporte at the moment maybe that's a bit of Laporte not playing well against Tottenham you know, maybe, you know, that, that little mistake for for following Kane out too far. Maybe Guardiola saw that and maybe saw some other things off the pitch and he's thinking, this guy's not quite there. And, and Stones yeah, needs some time out, yeah. I, and, I just just yeah. looking at, at the games that Stones has started this season, he started four times, three clean sheets and, and one conceded at Wolves. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not a bad record for him this season. No, it's not a bad record. Again, I'm not sure how much is... I'm not, genuinely, I don't know. I'm trying to think as I'm talking. I don't, I don't know how much is because he's been great and City are keeping clean sheets because he's been playing or it's just he's been part of a team that's been doing well in certain games. So, you know, Burnley, Stones played very well against Burnley, but um, at the same time, there wasn't an awful lot of defending that he had to do. There wasn't an awful lot of great tackling or heading or whatever. What he did, he did well, but it wasn't, the victory wasn't built on that. It was more about his passing out from the back and, and maybe that's why you know City look better when he's playing well, um, because like Laporte, because don't like don't does he does he offer that when pass Laporte out from the back? Laporte offers the pass. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say it's differently. Not, not differently to Laporte. Like differently to Diaz at the moment. So I mean, ideally, you'd have Laporte um, in terms of playing the ball out. Well, I suppose ideally, anyway. Like if if it's the best Stones we're talking about from three years ago, then Laporte and Stones would be a great. Um, combination because you've got the left-footed pass of Laporte, which is great, and this is the best in the defence. But Stones, when he can do it, is great as well. And then you'd have the balance there of left and right. So, yeah. it, I mean, is it? It's. I don't think it's any different to Laporte, other than, um, you know, if he if Stones was playing on the left, then it wouldn't quite be as crisp, would it? Because Guardiola prefers the left footer because it's more natural, isn't it? You don't have to waste time um, shifting onto your strong foot and that kind of thing. And you know, you play it in a certain you know the way he plays it, 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 it lands at the receiver's feet in a certain way, so they can go again. But if Stones plays it, it you know it's spinning in a slightly direction, different direction. You know these are the small um, differences that you know add up to huge, huge amounts in the Guardiola team, and that's why Laporte's really important. So it is, it is slightly different, but only in, but in a worse sense, really, in in the sense that if he was playing on the left, if he was playing on the right, it's pretty much the same as Laporte. Yeah. Um, he does, he's not asked to do the big cross-field passes, but he is asked to to break those lines and get the balls up. So, you know, when De Bruyne is in those kind of areas, 
to find him with 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 passes like that. And when he is playing well, you know that's that's obviously his strength, and that's what as much as you know the confidence on the ball and the defending that will bring a lot to City, and that's what you want to see from Stones. Really, do you think he'll start against Fulham? Hmm. Because um, obviously there's Porto in the midweek, and yeah, I, it's well, just it's just the the idea of I, I suspect I feel like he's probably start against Porto, but again, it's then four consecutive games that he started. Yeah, well, I think I'm going to go with yes, just because what Guardiola was saying about you know consistency and if you're playing. So at the moment, if it's not about fitness, and presumably Stones doesn't need a rest anyway, because it's not like he's been overburdened with football. So. I'm I'm thinking he'll play against Porto because there's no reason to drop him. And then if he does well, then it's like, well, you, you, you can't drop him again. So I think he will. Yeah, I think he'll play against Porto and he'll play against Fulham. Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm just looking at the options that City have in, in that position now. And I mean, it's mad thinking, you know, even six months ago, uh, uh, how desperate City were at centre-backs that they're throwing Garcia in and they've got Fernandinho playing out position there. When you think now of, of, of both Stones and Diaz, you know, Stones and Laporte and Diaz and Laporte as three, you know, Great options as as a centre back pairing. Then also you've got Ake, who's coming back from injury, who is who in the minimal time that he's played has impressed as well. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I suppose that goes to show the importance of getting players in in the summer and how how desperate they were to get in two two new centre backs. Um, and yeah, they've they've fitted in quite well. I mean, it's a shame for Ake; he's picked up quite a few injuries um, since since signing for City. But yeah, I mean, he's look, there have been times when he's looked good. It's been hard to judge exactly where he's at because that the performances have been quite few and far between. And obviously he played in that Leicester game, which was an idea really. Um but I mean yeah to like like I said earlier on, if we're in a position now where where Stones is keeping Laporte out of the team, I don't nobody would have expected that even a week ago. You know, even two days ago. Because you were just thinking, well, you know, Laporte is being rested or whatever. Um so yeah it's it's a nice problem to have certainly and Diaz Diaz has been very good since he signed but you know it wasn't his best game of the weekend and you know if Guardiola's as ruthless as he seems to be at the moment obviously he took him off and I don't know maybe Laporte does come in and it stones he plays on the right and we will have that partnership as I was talking about of of two people who are very good at playing out from the back because like I say Diaz is he hasn't quite got there yet he's played a few good balls out and one of them was in the the build up to the 1-0 against Arsenal, which opened the game up. And, you know, that got Mares in and Mares got the move going. But he's tried a few expansive passes into midfield and crossfield passes. They've not, they've not really come off. So, yeah, maybe maybe Laporte will come back in and he'll get his chance and it'll be Diaz who drops out. But then yeah. again, he's going back to Portugal. So maybe you're playing for that. Who knows? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. Just on Laporte as well, uh, because you, you mentioned earlier about the form thing. Was it, do, do you know if he was dropped or if it was he, he was dropped? I, I guess for for poor form was he? I don't. I mean, the the reason was rotation, which can be anything. You know, 
Um, that, it just that, it just comes back to Guardiola's comments about. Yeah, I mean know, the, yeah. that's the official reason. It's like you know, there's a there's like a I think there's a reason that clubs, you know, the, the football operation will pass over to like the media side and be like, this guy's injured or this guy's just you know, it's it's tactical reasons. Um, so I, I so I I'm not actually sure. You know, I, I had assumed it he was just being rested, but then because I thought two games in a row is a bit strange to be rested, but um, he did have a knee problem. So, you know, maybe it's just kind of, you know, this is go and, you know, take yourself away and have a bit of time, you know, to, to come back. But I mean, maybe if Guardiola, you know, if we're reading into Guardiola's comments and he's saying, you know, guys need to be focused and performing, maybe he did look at that Spurs game and something else and think, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure what, what, um, if you're, if you're in the right man for the job at the moment, which is obviously how football team should be run. So that's, yeah. Um, I'll have to try, like, I'll, I'll have to try and try and find out by the next time I write something, which incredibly is, a game on Tuesday night against Porto. Um, hopefully, have some kind of update on on Laporte and and what it is. But I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised it's, if Laporte died on on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it's just interested in uh, just interesting that if it, if he was dropped for, for for his his performance against Spurs, then it's just it's just odd given how rel- how you know reliant City have been on him in the past. That it just kind of shows the the defensive options at the moment. Yeah, well, I think it's more odd that it's it's Guardiola all of a sudden saying, "Look, there's no favourites." Because like you could say the same about Sterling. Like Sterling hasn't um, been that incisive in terms of scoring scoring goals recently. But he went through that patch in um, December, January, and February, didn't he? But he was still doing all the work off the ball, which I, I still think, as far as I can tell, he's still been doing this season. But he kept he kept being played while loads of fans were like he needs to be rested or dropped. Um, and Guardiola just wasn't doing it. And he was like, he doesn't need a rest. Like physically, he doesn't need it. He's fine. He's still getting in all the right areas. He's doing all the work off the ball, which I kind of tried to demonstrate in an article as well. Um, but he was kept, he kept playing him. And now maybe this is just a change attack from Guardiola. Maybe this is how, you know, maybe he's looked at the team after Spurs and he, maybe this is his thing. He's like, right, well, I'm staying now. Um, this team isn't, you know, I wouldn't even say treading water. Like yeah. Going backwards, really. On so, some people season, might need a kick on the backside. Something needs to change and maybe this is it. Maybe it's like, right, well, if you're not playing well, you're out. And basically, I'm not sure he used the word reputation, but that was it. That was effectively what he was saying, wasn't he? It was like, nobody's nobody can rely on reputation anymore. This is it. So whether it's Laporte, Laporte isn't necessarily the you know the first choice centre-back anymore if he has one bad game. Sterling isn't the first choice left winger anymore. You know, the fact that Torres played off the left instead of Sterling was was quite telling. So yeah, I mean there's there's a few players there obviously put on notice in particular, but it'll be all of them. You know, th- if that's the message now, like Gundogan for example, we know that um Gundogan is like a Guardiola favorite, but if he has a couple of bad games then he might be out of the side as well. It might be the same for Rodri, you know, they might mix it up with something in there. So Yeah. Um, just Foden, look- Foden, who knows? <laughs> uh, just looking at the at the table uh, to finish because uh, I, I do think that game in hand is is a little bit of a gives it a bit of a false position, like like we said before, you know, win it and the three points off the top. Um, I'm interested in in the defense and you know the idea that City not scoring as many goals uh, that might be what sees them through this season. You know, um, only uh, looking at, at goals against only only Tottenham and uh, Chelsea above them have have a better record. And uh, West Ham below them have a better record as uh, uh, of the defense. So I, I'm just wondering if it's if it's going to be one of those seasons where the title winners or you know certainly the teams around the top have to just grind out the season just because of the the season that we're in. Possibly, possibly, and maybe it looks worse for City because they have so much of the ball. Like if a team, 
if a team grinds out, to be fair, normally a team who wins the league, but they grind out those one nil wins that everybody says, oh, you know, it's a sign of champions. It's normally because the rest of the games, they're blitzing teams and they yeah. grind out the odd one. So if in City's case at the moment, it would be they're grinding out most of them, obviously apart from Burnley, but you would say the, of their wins, they've ground out most of them, which isn't ideal. But the other thing is they have so much of the ball. It's not like, oh, they... No, normally this kind of oh, sign of champions cliche is because they don't play particularly well. They may be, Teams maybe get a bit lucky, um, but they, they'll score a goal at the end and it, it, it's great for morale. But the way the City are built and the way that they play... They still have loads of control of the game. But if they have the ball 60-70% of the time, but they just pass it around and they look slow and they win 1-0, you come away thinking, that's, that wasn't very good at all. Yeah, you know, that was laborious. It was hard work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's like this, this like something's wrong, it needs changing. And that's how they're built, really. And obviously the way that Guardiola says after games, you know, like that, it get, like that Olympiacos game last week was bad, basically. It was all right in the first half for a bit. And then by the end, it was just like, this is... This is awful. And Olympiacos didn't do much. But obviously Guardiola was very pleased about the fact that they had two touches in the city box and, and they controlled the game. And that's just how it is. You know, Guardiola would obviously want City to take, you know, a few more of their chances and win 2-0 or 3-0. But ultimately, if they are controlling the game like that, they are doing what they're supposed to do. But if they don't add the chances, everyone comes away from it thinking, this just isn't the same. This is there's something missing here. But in in a strange way, there's they're probably a bit more solid than those teams who you know, when there's those sign of champions games when they play badly and nick a win at the end, they're probably more solid than that. But um, the main thing would have to be, they'd have to be more four or five nils dotted around. And yeah. then the games they grind out would have to be the ones that they lost last year. So when they lost, you know, they lost away at Spurs in February, they drew two all at home. They lost to Chelsea away, um, lost to Anfield, you know, lost both times to United. They're, they'd be the games they have to start um, grinding out. Um yeah, I, I, I don't know. We're with that strange th- thing at the moment where we're kind of analysing every game. We, we've got a very zoomed-in view. I'm trying to be as zoomed out as possible. Yeah, and um, it's not it's not really taking shape yet. We'll only get thing. answers. Well, I mean, like we get answers in about a month or so. Yeah, in yeah. about a month because that'll be January pretty much. Um, but, I mean, the next few weeks, you'd be hoping for a similar against Burnley. You know, they'll, you'd, you'd be hoping from City's point of view, they batter, uh, they batter Fulham. Um they batter West Brom. Um, obviously, the United away game, they're going to need to win that after what happened last season, losing three times. Um, and Southampton after that run, Southampton away will be an interesting game because obviously that's where City, City that's lost. That's where they slept up last, last season. season. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll know a lot more in a month. Um, at the moment, you know, there's there's the kind of green shoots of recovery from the Burnley game, but it's just, we've just not no idea how they're going to actually respond to that. But the fact that Guardiola seems to be cracking a few skulls is well, it seems it seems to be promising. Yeah, I've I've it's been all, it's a good I, thing to cling on to. I've been all over the place with this season because I, you know, early on I'd accepted. I, I thought I've, after the Wolves game, I thought you know this this City team is rejuvenated. They're going to go on and, and blitz this league. Uh, after the Leicester game, I'd already resigned myself to well as long as it's entertaining. I don't really mind where. <laughs> you know, and then after a couple of draws away from home, and I'm thinking, God, it's going to be it's going to be a dull season. This got to grind out these results. And now I'm I'm all for it. Title winners again. So uh, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, I, I still, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think I think probably since the start of the season, all the way through, I've probably been City will be top three, and that's what I'm still thinking. That's what I'm thinking at the moment. Still, um, I, they've obviously got the potential to be much better, even when they were playing. I don't know. May, I mean, maybe I'm just changing my mind because of the, 
the Burnley game at the weekend, but I don't think I was ever really seriously expecting them to finish like 10th or 7th or something. No, I wasn't always thinking thought, that either. They've always got enough to be top three. I still think that's where they are. Obviously, if they if they go and take off and start blitzing everyone again, then you know, we know they've got the potential to do that. But I'm still kind of thinking, yeah, strange season. Not really got that spark at the moment. Let's see. But what I will say is as much as... This is, you know, this is the power of. Maybe this is just because I, I work in the media and I pay too much in, in, importance to these things. But this is the power of, you know, what managers say in public. Like, I'm, I'm more enthused about what Guardiola said than the performance against Burnley. Um, yeah. If he's, if he's saying, if he's sending messages to his players and saying, look, there's, there's no guarantees that you need to perform or you're not going to play, which I know he always says, but hasn't really actually been the case, has it? Which I think he's kind of acknowledged himself slightly. That's. He's that backed it up with actions this week, hasn't he? That's what. Yeah, it is. exactly. That yeah, exactly. That's that says more to me um, about how they'll do in the next few months than a five 0 win against Burnley. So yeah, interesting times. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week's Wire Whistles. You've been listening to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much. And to me, David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic for just one pound a month right now by using the code Man City Pod. Mm-hmm. 